So, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, I'm going to move quite quickly because we have a lot to uh, to cover today, and I uh, want to. I'll start by prefacing and saying that we're <clears throat> we're only touching on things today. We really don't have enough time to get through everything that's happened uh, in my guest's life. But I want to start by reading a scripture to you, uh, Matthew chapter nine and verse thirty-seven, and it says this. Jesus was saying, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. The scripture is talking about the lost people. It's talking about people that don't know Jesus yet. And, it's, and Jesus is saying there's so many people who are, who are just there. They're ready. They're ready to be told about Jesus. They're ready to be taught about Jesus. And, and it's right. But we need people. We need workers. But you notice it says that to pray. We're first to pray and ask God. And the reason that we're supposed to pray for laborers to go out, if you have somebody that you know that's not a believer, a family member, a friend, you're supposed to first pray for them. The reason why is because, not because we don't roll up our sleeves and go do anything about it, but the reason we pray first is because God knows who is equipped and ready to be able to reach that person. See, a lot of people are not equipped and ready to be able to meet them, and it's not going to help them. They need to be able to reach them. And so, God, this is what we do here at the Bible College is we equip people, we get them ready, so you are ready to be sent out into the field. So God can use you to reach somebody. But in the meantime, you should be praying. It says pray earnestly. Pray because God knows who can reach that person and who can get them. And trust me, God can reach them. Today's story is living proof. Okay, so today's testimony that you're going to hear is very different from what you would normally hear on a Sunday service, okay? And I realize that for some people this might be a sensitive subject as we dive into it because you might have friends, you might have family members that are Mormon or they consider themselves part of the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The abbreviation we will use from now on is the LDS Church, Okay. Most people will say when they meet Mormon people that they are the most friendly, loving people, most giving people, and they always end their prayers with the name of Jesus. So how could it possibly be a false religion? So I only have a few points I'm going to give you. I do a course on this in Bible college where I cover it extensively. I give you all the evidence from their own doctrines and covenants to prove what I'm saying. I have only a few points I can cover today. So please bear with me. Do not allow the enemy to come in and stop you from hearing or take offense before you hear. Okay? So, reasons why Mormonism is a false religion. Number one, they believe God and Jesus were both born as spirits and as humans. That God, our eternal God that we know, was once a human. Jesus was God's literal son and Lucifer's brother. They believe men can become gods, not women. But if you live the righteous life as a Mormon, and you can eventually become a god, a god of your own planet, and have your own people. Mormons believe in a universal salvation for everyone. There is no hell. Mormons teach a gospel of works. The Mormon Jesus teaches that membership in the LDS church is required for eternal life, and Joseph Smith will be your final judge. 
Joseph Smith was the prophet who wrote the Book of Mormon. So people, if they teach different terms of salvation, they cannot be the same Jesus. So just because somebody prays in the name of Jesus, you need to ask which Jesus. Okay? Important. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome up my guest, Kristen Curtis. She's, she's limping a little because she had surgery. You'll hear more about that as we go. So It didn't hold me back, though. There's no way that I would not be here today. And if I could just take a second and tell you, I've never experienced a feeling like I had when you were doing your songs and your worship. I was overcome with joy and God's love and... You can't get that on the internet, I'll tell you that. I've been looking. <laughs> so, you are very lucky to be here. Um, as tell, tell, us about your, tell us a little bit about your family, how you were raised. Yeah, as Cindy said, I was raised Mormon. Um, it was something that I was born into. My whole family is a part of the LDS church, and it's just what we did. It wasn't something that we were really allowed to question so I did what every good Mormon girl does when I was barely 19. <laughs> I got married in the temple and um, took out my covenants and did what I was supposed to. And then I promptly moved to a town with like 300 people in Idaho. <laughs> and uh, about 297 of them are Mormons. So <laughs> it was pretty high concentration of LDS people there. About 45 minutes away, there's another small town, but it's not a very large area. Uh, when was the first time you started to realize something might be wrong with this religion? And, and what did your dad tell you when you had questions about the marriage? Well, um, you don't learn anything about the temple really before you go there. So right before you get married, you go in and do what's called taking out endowments. And I did that. And when I got in there, I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is not okay. It was very scary for me, and I did not want to be there. Because nobody else is allowed in the temple. It's, you have to go through all these rituals before you can even go in the temple. Correct. correct? Yes. And what was one of the, just for the sake of time, what was one of the, the creepiest things that you went through? The part that bothered me the most was you leave all of your family and friends who are there supporting you and telling you you're doing the right thing, and you go down into this place where there's nobody else there. You're asked to fully remove all of your clothing, and then you're covered with a sheet. And I did not even know that this was coming. And in the front of the sheet, there was these two holes in it. And I was guided to a wall. It's a very tall wall. And there's a curtain hanging down. And someone starts talking. And then they bless your body. And hands to a person you can't see the rest of reaches through this wall and these sheets in this hole. And then into the sheet that you're wearing and starts touching, like, your stomach and stuff. And they're blessing your body. And it... Touching your naked body through the sheet, and yeah. you don't know who they belong to. Yeah, it was awful. I was horrified. What did you tell your dad when you said you, because you didn't really want to go through with the marriage the night before, you were having an anxiety attack? What did, you, what did your dad do? Well, after that experience, I was sure I was done. 
I did not understand how this was something that my family participated in and I was very uncomfortable with going forward any further and I told my dad I needed out. I did not want to get married. I was having other things that were really bothering me and my dad took me for a long drive that night and explained to me that my purpose on earth was to be a mother and to have children and that my eternal salvation rested on these temple covenants and that it was God who wanted me to marry this man the next day. Because they believe that it's you, that's how you get to heaven is by having this <clears throat> marriage. And um, did you ever ask anybody... Did you, ever ask, did you ever speak to any of the ladies and be like, man, did that crazy stuff happen to you? Like, what, what was that? Did you ever? No, you're, you're not really allowed to speak about the temple unless you're in the temple. And I didn't want to go back. <laughs> so um, you don't talk about that. Like, if I was still a member today and my bishop knew that I had told you guys this story, I would be excommunicated, which means I'd be kicked out of the church I would lose all of my eternal blessings, and I would have no favor with God. And you, if you're excommunicated, you lose all your family and friends. They're no longer allowed to talk to you. And kicked out of God's presence, forbidden to speak about what happens, about the creepiness that went on. So um, you, you got married, and you ended up having four children, and your They're husband... pretty cool. <laughs> four children and your and your husband and and I know he did multiple jobs with you also worked as a fireman you also worked as a fireman yes I believe I had the greatest job on the planet I was a firefighter and my ex-husband was the fire chief and we uh we should have been happy uh but we weren't well I wasn't I was extremely depressed and no matter what I did this feeling wouldn't go away and my, you know, we call each other sister or brother. So my sisters, my friends in the church said to me, like, the way you solve this is you dive deeper into the doctrine and you do more. Like, you must be doing something wrong. And I thought, I am so miserable. I have to fix this. So for a year, I committed to all books that I read, every song that I sang, every movie that I watched was created by my church. And that's all I did for an entire year. How did you feel at the end of the year? Way worse. <laughs> it was awful. I was like, wow, uh, that didn't help. I was pretty scared because my entire life revolved around this religion, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So you decide you want to get a divorce because you, from your husband and also to get away from this church. Um, was your husband in agreement with the divorce? Absolutely not. Our marriage bond kept him and I in God's favor. So the two of us combined could not reach this eternal salvation without each other obeying this covenant. And um, I was ruining his eternal salvation as well as my own and all four of our children. We would have no favor with God. What did he tell you when you were pregnant with your first child? Uh, I was having some complications with the, ch the pregnancy and I was really struggling with our relationship. And he came to me and he said, if you leave me, I will take this child or any other child we have and you will never see your children again. Because uh, the devotion is, is to the men. It's, it's not even love, right? It's, right? it's like obedience. It's out of obedience. Everything there is done out of, of obedience. 
Yes, there were times even when. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I brought up some because I knew. It was I'm coming. buying stock in Kleenex this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Cindy. <laughs> um, so the devotion to the priesthood and the men who hold the priesthood is so significant that um, even in our women's group where we would meet each Sunday, a woman stood one day and said, you know, it doesn't matter if our husbands beat us physically even. You are to stay married and you do not break that covenant. Wow. So with all this writing on it, you still decide to go through with the divorce how did you get a fair hearing? Did you get a fair divorce? Uh, no. <laughs> um, in our area, uh, there's not a lot of women's rights. Women are definitely considered subservient. The local authorities, the judge, the people in the town, the police officers and the police chief, they're all Mormon. And so for me, I came forward saying that I was leaving this church, and by the way, my marriage, and that meant to them that I was considered a daughter of perdition is the term that they use, which is the lowest of the low, because if you are given the truth and then you deny it, that's like the ultimate sin. And her husband was the fire chief, so he was friends with the judge and the police chief, and you're in a small town of 300 people, okay? So... So they all, what ended up happening is, is I went to a church court. And in this church court, in my case, I was, thanks, eat it. (laughs) Sorry, I'm scared. (laughs) Not scared, just jittery. Uh, So I was taken to a church court. I went by myself and there was five men in the room and it was a horrifying experience to say the least. And in that church court, it's supposed to be this way of helping you get back on the right track, and it's supposed to be a private experience. And that was not my experience. Uh, Pretty quickly, everyone in the town knew, and you don't really get away from that in our area. So everyone sort of turned against me all at once. They want to drive you out of the town because they want it to be a Zion where only Mormon people live and, and God can participate in, you know, running this town, essentially. Um, my ex-husband had people write affidavits against me, and he worked very hard to take full custody of all of our children. And people basically lying in affidavits oh, yeah. about about you to try and get the custody of the kids. But she luckily had an attorney that was able to fight back and and retain dual custody. But just for the sake of of brevity, we don't have a lot of time, just tell us just some of the things that happened. Remember, now they're trying to drive her out of of this town. She's a woman of tradition. They don't want anything to do with her. So just tell some of the stuff that that happened to you during this time i was lucky enough i thought i was living in a safe place um my landlord was generally aware but not fully aware of my circumstances so i thought that i had found a way to navigate this storm it ended up not being the case i came home one day to my children crying and everything in my house had been ransacked all of my paintings and artwork was removed from the wall 
if I had to throw pillows somewhere, it was gone. My closets, everything had been emptied. And my children were told that they didn't live there anymore. And what did they steal? They, I work in tech, so they took my computers and my iPads and pretty much the electronics that I used to make a living. Did you call the police? I definitely called the police. I, as a firefighter, you know, these were my friends, I thought, the people I would work with on emergency scenes. When they arrived, they told me that it was a private matter and that they couldn't intervene in any way, so he stood there. Well, we were being berated, and our house was torn apart. And this is because somebody told her landlord, because the rumors were spread around town. So when the landlord heard, like this woman of perdition is living here, she, what they think happened is basically she opened the door, like come and take whatever, do whatever. And the police just stood there. Sorry, sounds like a personal matter. Hmm. So that's the things that not only I was experiencing, but my children. It was pretty terrifying. And what would happen when you'd go to events, <clears throat> school events? When I would go to like public events, things for my children at the school, I would walk in and I, nobody would speak to me. And if I sat down on a bench, the whole row, the people would get up and leave and I would sit there by myself my children weren't allowed to come up to me and say hello to me in public when they were with their father. I was completely isolated. And, <clears throat> and what happens if you went to your school teacher, to the kid's teacher, to get information about what was happening in your kid's classroom or to your kid? So to them, I am not worthy of being a mother. So they needed to sideline me in any way that they could. So they would reach out to my ex-husband's wife, who has no legal rights to my children, and explain things that were going on to her, or they would contact their father. I was usually the last to know, and I most of the time found out what was going on for my children. And even if she went to them to ask them, they wouldn't talk to her? They wouldn't about talk her to own me kids. or respond to my emails. There was a couple of people who learned to say a little bit, but I had to take my divorce creed to the school and say, I have custody of these children. You need to share with me what's going on, and it still didn't work. Why didn't you just move to the, to the next town? So rural Idaho is pretty... It's rural. Yeah. <laughs> um, the roads between that next town and, and uh, where they go to school were very treacherous during the winter, and I was not allowed to move more than 24 miles from the house where my ex-husband and I lived when we married. If I moved without even going to court, I would immediately forfeit custody of the kids, and that's part of why things like the landlord and the situation there was so impactful, because if I hadn't been able to find housing, I wouldn't even had to go to court. My children would be removed from me immediately. Wow. So <clears throat> from that time to, to now, it's 10 years. So all this, there's a lot of stuff that happens in 10 years. This, this continues and worsens what they do to her. But in this 10 years, um, you know, f for a lot of people, when you hear this, the full story of what she's been through, wouldn't want anything to do with any God because you, un you think this God is terrible. The God is the one telling you you're unworthy, you're worthless, you're not righteous, right? So yet you still have this desire to pursue God, to find God. Tell us a little bit about in, in that next 10-year span, a little bit about what happens 
spiritually, what did you go through and what else happens in your life? Mm. Even though I had spent most of my adult life in this church or all of my adult life, as a child, I had some experiences that really shaped my faith and my relationship with God. It didn't have anything to do with this religion I was brought up in. When I was 11 years old, I woke up one night. It was Sunday morning at 2 a.m., and our house was on fire. I was trapped in that house, and unfortunately, my three-year-old brother passed away. And my mom and my sister had third-degree burns. You would think that that would make a person not believe in God. I had incredible intercessions and beautiful experiences with God that allowed an 11-year-old to debreed third-degree burns and care for my family as we recovered without a home. And without going into too much detail, because it's, it's, it's long and it's hard to, for her to explain, but God spoke to her during that time in such a powerful way and, and brought the love and healing. And so she experienced the love of God in the most tragic time of her life as a little kid, the real love of God. Amen. So that's what she's looking, going through this religion, going, this, something's not right. It's not in this church. It's, it's not what I've experienced. So there's, maybe there's something else. So you go looking. And, and where did you, what, did you try other religions? And I became a dedicated woman to searching for this experience that I had had when I was a child. I knew that when I found it, I would feel it, and I would know. I knew it would be my home. So I spent Sundays going to churches by myself because people do not church hop with you. Um, I always joke that if I had been bar hopping, I would have had a whole crew. (laughs) But I was alone, (laughs) sitting in the back, going like, this doesn't feel like I felt as a child when I knew God was with me. So I studied Buddhism because I thought, maybe it's me, maybe I can get better. I studied Catholicism, and I just kept going to churches. Did you find any Christian churches? I found one about three hours away in Salt Lake, which is kind of ironic, but um, (laughs) it was a great church. The pastor was amazing, and if I could have gone every Sunday, that would have been it, but it was too far away for me, so I wasn't able to go. And what else was happening at the same time for you? So... At a time when I thought, well, things really can't get worse, I found out that they can. (laughs) Um, I started getting really sick, and the symptoms didn't really make sense to anybody. We were trying to figure it out. I was trying to be this big, tough firefighter and not feeling good. And it ended up being that I was diagnosed with a teratoma tumor. You should look them up. They're pretty creepy. Um, On my ovary... When they first found it, they thought I might need chemo as a single mom. That's pretty daunting to face. I ended up not needing it, so I thought I was going to get through under the radar on this one. But they removed that tumor, and I got more sick. Uh, Nobody expected that either. So my doctors went looking for more answers, and they found that I had a benign tumor in my spine. I have tumors in my thyroid aorta colon, and uh, some growths in my lung. 
And this is caused from a... It's an autoimmune disorder that's not really understood. It causes tumors throughout her body. So was this painful? Oh, yeah. It was awful. I had vertigo and nausea. I had troubles with my limbs. I couldn't always use my arms or legs. They would just kind of go away. Um, I had a really hard time trying to get through my day-to-day -day life, and my profession was definitely suffering during that time. And again, I kind of thought I'd reached the bottom. I was not really sure how to navigate all of this, and at that time, I was sexually assaulted by a fireman, somebody who I had once trusted. In the same firehouse as who? We, because of the details, we can't get into details, but did you file police charges? Did anything, did the police do anything? I did file charges. The loyalty that exists in the fire department and the people that you work with, they're your family. And I came against that because I spoke up about the things happening there. There were already these rumors about me and people saw me as a daughter of perdition. So my word was pretty much. So nobody believed her. And yet it turned out this man had actually attempted a sexual assault on another woman in a public place. So people knew about him yeah. and the only thing that was done was he was just let go from that station and hired by another one because that's how the men are in that society so nobody believed her because of the unworthiness they call her the unrighteous one they kicked out even the friends she has now turns the rest of them turn their back on her I I had spent my entire life helping people when they were in need. I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do. Becoming a firefighter was really challenging for me given my experience, but I felt called to it. And here I was, this woman who had been very strong and capable, who wasn't anymore. I became very suicidal if I wasn't a mother and I didn't have children, I don't know how I would have made it through this. What happened that day you went to the gas station and that ex-bishop showed up? A bishop is like a pastor, so it would have been her, her pastor from before. Um, it was a day where I was pretty low. I wasn't feeling like I could do this. I was sick and I was having a hard time having the strength to get through the day. And I pulled up to the bump pump, and a car pulled up next to me, and my bishop got out, and he asked me how I was doing. I wasn't feeling overly able to... Be fake. Fake anything. So I said, I'm not great. I have these tumors. I'm really sick. I can't work. I don't really know how to get through everything. He asked if he could pump my gas, and I was kind of 
like, sure. But then he looked at me and he said, you know, if you were more righteous, God wouldn't have to keep punishing you like this and you wouldn't have to suffer anymore. So I said, no, thank you. I will pump my own gas. That's how they look at it, that you're getting what God deserves. If you're not living righteously, then everything that's happening to you, God is punishing you to get back in line. Everything that was happening to her, people knew about. So you're going through feeling suicidal, thank goodness for her kids, keeping her alive, but the worst possible time, feeling the lowest you possibly can get, and then your friend calls you. Calls me, yeah. I have this great eccentric friend who... Uh, it's very dear to my heart. He has the iconic Christian mother for a mom. This woman is amazing. She doesn't live in the town. (laughs) No. (laughs) She would have been kicked out. (laughs) This woman is a fierce woman of God. And my friend calls me and says, my mom called me, and she asked me to talk to you and tell you that she loves you. Hadn't heard that in a while. And that she's praying for you. And praying. Praying, yeah. So I think this woman prayed for me, which was foreign to me at that point. I have never felt so alone in my life. And yet, all of a sudden, I felt like I could get through even what I was going through the worst. And this profound love was washing over me, and I thought, that is kind of familiar. Thinking back to those experiences as a child. So I went home, and I knelt down, and I just started crying out to God. And I said, do not give me fluff. Like, let's cut to the chase. I want the truth. Are you real? Do you care about me, or did I just feel loved because this woman said that I was worthy of love? And I sobbed. And I hate social media. If you look for me, I'm not there, really. But I had joined specifically for a business group. And I became friends with one of the greatest people ever. On social media, I had never met her before. Uh, Justine. Well, first back it up. Before you meet Justine, she's in the group, but before you even talk to her, she's in the same business group. Yeah. In the state, crying out, God, I want to know if you're real. She goes onto her social media, onto her Facebook private group, and what did you write? I wrote, why can't we normalize talking about God? I have questions, and I need answers. And that's when Justine... So this is when Justine, who's in that group, now receives that and now responds to her with with text and with private messages. Justine, will you stand up? So Justine just finished first year of Bible college, and she's in Bible college when she responds and starts private messaging her in that day and sending you some sermons and, and stuff to listen to. Yeah, sermons from us, and yeah. So when I get these sermons, they're not attached to anything. It's not like it's like you just entered this church as sermons. It was just a sermon. 
I didn't know what anybody looked like. I just listened. I listened to the first one and I was like, this is that feeling. I know this feeling. I listened to the second one and I needed more. I knew I needed more right then. And Justine was like, did you like them? And I was like, yes. <laughs> she said, would you like more? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up, take my money, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> so that's when she says to her, would you, would you be okay if somebody calls you? And, and she said, yes, please. So she didn't know who was calling her. Nope. So that's when Justine reached out to me and said, uh, I've got this lady who is in Idaho, which I actually thought it was a friend of hers. She said, she really needs somebody to talk to. Do you mind talking to her? Um, and please don't you all start calling me and being like, I got a friend, okay? <laughs> no. No, no, no. You take the call. But this one was, there was reason behind it because I teach a class in Mormonism in Bible college, but in all honesty, Justine hadn't got to that. She was in the first semester. So she would have had no knowledge of where she was coming from because when I, before I called her, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about this lady. All I knew was, please call her. And so before I, before I called, I just spent some time praying in the Holy Spirit and I just said, Holy Spirit, you're just going to need to help me. And I called and and we, we started talking. Started talking. <laughs> it was awesome. And then I find out that she's been raised in Mormonism. So now, because of Holy Spirit already preparing me, equipping me, I understood where she was, and now I understood what truth she needed to hear to break that. Do you want to know the coolest part, my favorite part of all of this? I'm a very studious person. I have questions. <laughs> so um, when, when Cindy started talking to me, uh, she answered my first question, and I was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. She answered, like, my top most important question. And it was like I had sent her an email first and said, in descending order, I'd like you to begin with this question and work your way down. <laughs> and here I was making circles. There's probably a track on my floor, like, pacing my house, and she was just knocking out all of them in order. And I had no idea. She didn't give me the question. She didn't tell me what to say. And honestly, I felt a little bit like in my head going, oh, geez. Like, I remember thinking, where do I start? And, and I was I'm like, like, yes. And you know what? I was like, I'm going to start with the redemption plan because that's the most important. I went all the way back to the beginning because she, didn't, she needed to understand that Jesus is God. He's not a created being. He's, that's why he could die for us. He's not a person. Because she was like, that's why I was so confused. Why would a person die for me and be able to take away all my sins? I was like, because he's not. He is God. He came down in the flesh. And I explained the redemption plan and the love of God. And as I spoke, if I could tell you what I heard on the phone, it was like I was, I know I couldn't see her, but in my mind's eye in the spirit, I could see as the truth hit her, the, 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 the lies break around her heart. And I watched and listened as the Holy Spirit saved her in that moment, gave her a born-again spirit in that moment. As the truth came, as the revelation came, it just fell off her. And she's freaking out on the other side going, you're answering all my questions. I don't even, how do you know? What the, how do you, you, and she's freaking out. And I'm like, it's just Jesus. It's not me, you know? Yeah, it was amazing. I will never forget where I was standing the moment that I realized that this was a God thing and that 
what was happening. It was incredible. And you know, there was no church. There was no fancy light. There was no worship music. And the power of God was hitting her in her room, in her living room. I could feel it through the phone. She's like trying to describe what she's feeling in her non-Christian terms. (laughs) She's just, what's the, I don't even, the love, what is, you know, like just so overwhelmed by the love of God. This is when the truth hits you, when you've experienced the fake and now the truth is impacting your heart. The love of God is hitting her heart. You have to understand how significantly in action and word and deed, I had been told you are unworthy. God has cast you out of his presence. You're unrighteous. You are not worthy of love. And here I am in this town where I'm by myself talking to some person. I have no idea who she is really. And feeling like God loves me. And I was like, oh my God, God loves me. It was incredible. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Yeah. Come on. (laughs) And definitely on one of my most favorite moments of my entire life, just being being able to be part of that and watching somebody get saved and hearing it. It's just so one of the most beautiful moments. And then I immediately realized, okay, so how am I going to disciple her? Because this is not like a normal person where you're like, hey, see you at church on Sunday, you know, come to life group, you know, like she literally has zero people to talk to. There's no church for her to go to. So I was like, okay, I'm going to send you worship music to listen to. I'm going to send you some books. You got to start reading this and uh, you need to get in Bible college right away. I'm going to sign you up because you need to understand what we believe. You need to understand what you believe from the scriptures. Not from some prophet, because they believe in their prophets that write all their weird scriptures down. So I said, you need to know what the Bible says and why you are who you are now, what Christ has done. I said, and the, the Bible college will teach you that. So I, and I said to her, so I'm going to disciple you. So I couldn't leave her. So every two weeks, I, we set up a phone conversation. Every two weeks, I would call her, and we would talk for two to three hours, because she's got nobody else. Yeah. And she had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm like taking notes and I'm like, can you schedule a day? <laughs> um, so, I was yeah, super excited about the Bible college. So I started reading everything I could get my hands on and I'm listening to the sermons and I was like, wow, it makes a difference if you teach correctly and so she's only she was only listening she'd only been having i'm going to read you an email uh that she sent me this was only about two or three weeks in after this she's been listening i sent her bible college she's only been listening for about two weeks at this point okay every day though (laughs) all day every day (laughs) so she sends me this sermon i'm gonna i'm gonna Summarize as best I can. She says, I have to say that the sermons in the Bible college have done so much for me. If I were able to fully convey how long I've spent searching and the diligence with which I searched, you would understand the significance of my saying that your sermons have something that is very different in a very beautiful way. I had the coolest, coolest experience yesterday. I decided to listen to the Bible college sermons while I drove. As I was driving, the thought came to me, do I go to the doctors some of the times? Only the times when God can't heal me? Or do I go to God all the time and truly be healed? Because I sent her the healing ones first, knowing the condition she was in. 
It was pretty intense. I've been having problems in my brain because of these illnesses and the ear infections continue to be an issue and I have a lot of, pain, of brain pain amongst the nausea. So right while I was driving alone and out loud in my car, I started to command in the name of Jesus for things to leave my body. Each time I had a thought, I commanded that it leave. When I parked my car, I had this feeling to pull on my ear. It was super weird. I pulled on it and felt something sort of pop in a good way. As the night progressed, this gross feeling and pain that I've had at the base of my brain for months and months and months began dissipating. I could feel it leaving. And as the night went on, I could feel something happening in my body. It was the greatest experience of my life. I usually have to take painkillers or sleep aids to sleep at night because there is so much pain in my leg from the tumor in my spine. Last night, I got home and didn't even consider taking the meds. I got into bed and I passed out. This morning, I woke up at 5 a.m. before my alarm and I was rested. Nothing to help me sleep, nothing to help with the pain, and I don't think I've slept through the night for four years. God is great. So great. <laughs> She says, I decided to do all things through Christ and that I'm going to be friends with God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. You have given me something that is most deeply cherished. Fair. I don't feel lonely anymore, and I know I'm going to be okay. It's been a long time since I felt that way. Thank you. God is so great. And we're not even done yet. <laughs> Woo. Woo. All right, you have to sit back down. We're not done. I told you, we're trying to hammer it through. We're trying to get there, folks. <laughs> There's, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. So this is, like, this is two weeks afterwards. This is what happens yeah. when you hear the word like childlike faith and you just believe it. Oh, God says I'm supposed to be healed? Okay, I'm just going to decree and believe it. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Come on. So then, so tell us what happens with your finances. Well, I, as, again, I'm a very studious person. I have questions. So now I know that Cindy's attached to a church, that there's this Bible college, and I'm like, there are answers out there. And I have so many questions still. I went on the website, and I saw a testimony section, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch all of these. So I'm clicking through, and then all of a sudden it pops up, and it says, this is Justine. I've never seen her before. <laughs> so she gets up, and she starts telling her testimony about tithing. She's talking about being a single mom. I'm a single mom, and so it speaks to me. She mentions this book from Pastor Henry about, you know, uh, financial guide for believers. Thank you. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's got to have some answers. I downloaded it and started listening to that, too. And during that time, um, what really stood out to me is, is that if we obey God's word, because now I knew what that actually was, um, that I would be blessed for it. And I thought, okay, tithing is a way to repay this incredible gift that I've been given, and I committed to doing that. And, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. So tell us then what happens with your, with your tax return. So... Uh, it was at a time I was getting ready to have this pretty complicated surgery on my leg, and I was just feeling a little like, oh, how am I going to get through this? I, I was like that creepy feeling starts to eat, eat at you, and I, I felt like I'm kind of feeling alone in this experience, and 
And Cindy had an answer. She told me to read the King's Decree. So again, I'm buy the book and download the audio book and I get and to work on that. And she has the most gruesome surgery. We won't go into details, but yeah. that's why she was limping getting up here. <laughs> but so while she's sitting at home with the boot on her leg, because yeah. the surgeon messed up and took out part of her tibula and yeah. part of her cat and all kinds of really bad stuff. So she's sitting there with the boot on and I'm so in my same living room where I found out that God loved me. And I'm like propping up my legs so that I can stand up and like shout these decrees. And I'm like, they probably can hear me next door, but this is okay. And so I started decreeing, and there's specific decrees that are in the book. So I just was reading them as loud as I could. And um, I was decreeing health over my leg. I was decreeing, and then I thought about finances, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Started decreeing that, you know, money owed to me would be released to me. Because you were expecting a tax return yeah. of about how much? It was supposed to be like 800 bucks, not like it's a big deal, but I was like, well, let's get that going, you know? So she was decreeing that the money would be released because she hadn't received it yet and healing yeah. on her leg. And so, so then what happens? Yeah, so I'm just like, I do this decree, and then I put it out there, and then I go to bed. And I wake up the next morning, and I check my bank account, and there's like an extra $3,400 in there. And I was like, what is that? I didn't recognize the depositor, and so I was like, oh, someone's going to take that back. And then I do a little research and find out it's the place who did my taxes. So I'm like, wow, uh, I just got $3,400 from the government that I wasn't expecting. And so I just logged right in and donated $1,000 to the church. <laughs> So it turns out it was her tax return. Yeah. So not 800, but 3,400 came back. Yeah. We love it when the government and God uses the government to pay you. That's my favorite kind. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember you called me that day and you were like, I just gave $1,000 to church. I've never been so happy in my life, yeah. right? I was She's, so excited. I was just like, oh, like other people will learn this. You know, I'm like, I'm going to help spread God's word. And it just felt like... I had been given an opportunity to prevent somebody else from having this feeling and that I would be able to spread God's love. And what did you do on Friday at the beach? So I flew my happy self to San Diego to meet all of you. <laughs> Completely overjoyed. Yeah. I get there. And everybody was like, don't you want your boot for San Diego? And I was like, God said it. he would heal me, so I'm going with my two flip-flops. <laughs> I left my little knee scooter and my boot at home, and I flew into San Diego, and I drove to the beach. And I said to God, I'm like, we're going to take a little walk in the sand. <laughs> so I just kept my foot in the water and walked along the beach, and everybody's watching me hobble, and I just thought, I don't care. I'm they, in San they Diego, said like, and God loves me. They said, like, six months, right? Yeah. Supposed to be, like, six months in the boot, and it's been two months. Yeah. I'm done. It's, it's healed. This is it. This is yes. your moment. <laughs> when I was here listening to all of you sing this morning, I just kept thinking... I always say to Cindy, this is the God that everybody's been talking about for like 2,000 years. Like, this She's like, is I why. get why people talk about it now yeah. for 2,000 years. I get it. He's trending for 2,000 years. And I'm sitting in your church thinking like, I have never had an experience like this in my life. Look at all of these people. 
And I was so overwhelmed and grateful to be with all of you. God has given this to each of us. It's not just me. I'm not special. He loves all of us. And I know he loves all of you. Take your sorrows to him. He will heal you and he will save you because God is great. Love you. stand as a testament to God's goodness. Without a boot or a knee scooter, I'm standing here with y'all. But here we stand. Six months ago, she thought about taking her own life. Six months ago, she couldn't know how she was going to get through, but God. God is real. God loves. He loves her so much. He would find somebody states away that would be willing to share, to talk, to disciple her, to walk alongside of her, because that's what God's called us all to do. Because her life matters and she's going to revolutionize that town. She's going to take yes. it by storm because <laughs> she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. She's walking in power. She's going to walk. She's going to take that town for Jesus. Amen. Come on. If you could just stay standing for a minute longer, just, just close your eyes for a minute. I, just, I don't want to miss this moment. You know, if you've, if you just, uh, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know if I've ever really believed in the Jesus you talked about. Cause like we said, there's other people that say Jesus's name. It doesn't mean it's the real Jesus, the one who died for your sins, the one who loves you. And Jesus wants to come in and do that in your life. He wants to change your life. It, the, it means that you'll be born again, a new spirit, a new person that never existed before. Jesus wants to walk this life with you, heal you, touch you, restore you. But it means surrendering your life to him. It means no more looking back, no more doing it by myself. You don't walk out here and go back to your life. Your life is revolutionized like hers. She's telling all of her friends she can't keep quiet. She wants to tell everybody about this Jesus that she's experienced because she knew the cult. She knew the fake. So she knew when she experienced the real. And if you've never experienced the real, this is your moment. So if that's you and you just want to know Jesus, you're like, man, I, I need to know that Jesus. I just want you to raise your hands. I'm going to pray with you wherever you are. Just raise your hand to heaven. Just say, God, I want to know you like that. I want to know you like that. I see those hands. I see those hands. Maybe you're coming back. Maybe, you've, maybe you're like, well, I've, I've kind of served Jesus. I've, I've kind of, I mean, I, I guess I called myself a Christian, but I haven't really surrendered my life like this to walk with him, to make my life about him. I want to do that today. I want to just come back with, with everything I've got in me. Then raise your hand as well. We're going to include you in that prayer. Thank you for that hand. Just say this prayer with me, everybody. Say, Father God, I confess that I'm a sinner. But I thank you for Jesus' blood that washes me clean. I thank you for Jesus' righteousness. That today I'm a child of God. 
Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I promise to walk with you from today on. Holy Spirit, fill me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Give God glory. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite my ministry my ministry team down front because if you've got any questions or if you uh, want, have questions about what was happened today maybe you're on that journey like she was or maybe you need healing or you need finance somebody to help you pray with your finances or whatever is going on in your life and you just like I need prayer or maybe you've yet to be filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit with your own prayer language be able to speak in tongues come down and let them know and they'll pray for you we're gonna dismiss the service but, but can we just say again thank you Kristen for coming down and can we give praise and glory to God because he deserves all the glory he deserves all the praise and the honor and it's all because of him and we love you Jesus we're so in awe of what we're doing and this is just one person imagine what he's doing around the world you think oh what about that one person in Africa that doesn't know Jesus or doesn't know God guess what if they would cry out God would meet them but did you see there was a Christian lady praying for her a Christian lady prayed for her one prayer God was able to use that prayer to get Justine to respond to get me to go and help her do you see how it works your prayer is important getting studied and equipped is important Not not being a disciple who can you disciple along the way it's important because that one person can revolution and change the world we've got to do what God's called us to do the greatest joy you'll ever experience is being able to do is have this uh, a partnership that God wants you to have trust me look for it ask God for it pray for it because that's what we want we want a church that is all about revival getting other people saved so thank you guys for coming out. Share this video with somebody you know maybe that's in Mormonism right now. Share it with them. Get the word, get the truth to them. Be bold, be strong, and there's cupcakes outside. <laughs> <laughs>